Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happy Wednesday, football fans, and welcome into another edition of the Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy and I recap week two and preview Thursday night's divisional clash between the Titans and Jaguars. We'll also discuss and predict the rest of week three's matchups. The Titans have enjoyed success against the Jaguars, posting wins in six of eight meetings with Marcus Mariota under center. However, Titans head coach Mike Vrabel still expects Thursday's showdown to be a battle coming off a strenuous week two loss. Our approach is going to try to be uh, to do everything we can to get them physically and, and mentally ready for, for Thursday at 820. We played an emotional, physical, hot game. The Jaguars played an emotional, physical game uh, on the road. So we have to we have to start our preparation now. The Jaguars will look to secure their first win of the season by shutting down the Titans' rushing attack led by Derrick Henry. Jaguars defensive coordinator Todd Wash emphasized the importance of limiting Henry's production by getting him down on first contact. Uh, you know, Derrick Henry is something to deal with. Obviously, he, he's a big, big man. Uh, we have to have a tackling plan. That was a lot of our conversation today. Um, we all know about the 99-yard run and the missed tackles on that play. But, uh, it, you know, what they do is they get him in space. Um, they get his big body on some of our smaller smaller guys' corners and safeties and stuff like that. So we got to do what we can scheme-wise to try to keep him between the tackles. The Fall is another production of The Chase Podcast, covering the latest news and analysis around the National Football League. Turn the volume up. The Chase is on and the Chase is live. Now, let's see your voice. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome into the Pro Football Chase Podcast. It's Isaac Signs with you. Joining me again is my co-host, Jarrell Worthy, NFL defensive tackle, still working to get back into the game. But until then, he's 
joining me on a consistent week-to-week basis to chat some matchups. So, Jarrell, once again, brother, thanks for taking the time to join me. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing pretty good this morning. Um, I'm excited to talk about this football, and uh, I'm excited to get into week three, man. It's been great so far. Yes, it is. Tomorrow night, Thursday night, week three kicks off. Jaguars taking on the Tennessee Titans. We've seen Gardner Minshew, the sixth-round pick, who's now under center for the Jaguars. It's been quite the hectic week, Jarrell, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, considering the big news about Jalen Ramsey and his request to be traded. So there's been a lot of headlines going through Mm -hmm. Jacksonville, which is not ideal on a short game week, you can imagine. So they'll take on a Titans team that's 1-1. They throttled Cleveland in week one, coming off a tough loss against Indianapolis. But before we get there, there's a couple of major injuries, Jarrell. Steelers quarterback Big Ben is out for the year with the right elbow injury. And we're going to touch on his successor, Mason Rudolph, as we get to that matchup. But Saints quarterback Drew Brees, right thumb, ligament issue. He's undergoing surgery today and is going to be out for six weeks. And then how about Cam Newton? It was reported yesterday that he aggravated a foot injury. So these quarterbacks are going down early in this season. Man, it's uh, been unfortunate, um, especially for a team like the Saints um, and everything that they do runs through Drew Brees. You know, I understand that Teddy Bridgewater is a a proven quarterback in this league and, um, you know, he's able to do some great things. But it's tough to see Drew Brees go down. Um, We understand that how how much uh, was riding on the shoulders of big man Roethlisberger this year. And, you know, with him limiting, having limited weapons um, as he's uh, he's not having he wasn't accustomed to having a couple of years ago. I think, um, you know, obviously that, that there was a lot on his shoulders too. And so having his injury is very tough for their team. These are significant storylines. These are quarterbacks that lead their team and the team follows their lead. So we'll see how those go and we'll touch a little bit more as we get ready for our matchups. But how about the first topic for today, Jarrell? We did this last week. Which team do you think had the most impressive victory in week two? Oh man, I think there was a couple. There was a couple games that kind of stood out to me. I think um, between my impressive victory and my disappointing loss, these games could kind of flip flop um, for either team. And so I think the most impressive victory uh, would have to be for me would be the Seahawks um, going into Pittsburgh, uh, coming from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast, um, and playing as efficient they, as they, as they did on offensively. Um, Russell Wilson going twenty nine for thirty five for three hundred yards. Um, and a couple and three touchdowns. I think that that was uh, very efficient. You know, obviously with Big Ben's in, um, injury, it was very tough for the team to kind of bounce back after that second quarter. But Mason Rudolph um, going 12 for 19 in the touchdown. And, uh, and, you know, he really pushed the limit for the team in order uh, for them to stay in the game. But, you know, ultimately, uh, big. I mean, you know, Russell Wilson coming in to to face that defense with everything that they've kind of gone through the week before and all the scrutiny that they went through and we're we were expecting a a very very good game from them and for them to fold I think that I was very impressive for Russell Wilson yeah that's a good one I actually picked the Hawks to go in and win and Russell Wilson was just sensational in his ability to go out there and make the big throws as he's done all his career and so he's worth that big contract he got over the offseason but the most impressive week two victory for me, Jarrell, and I 
mention it just right now. It's the Indianapolis Colts and that gritty 1917 victory over the Tennessee Titans on the road. This was in Nashville, so I chose Tennessee to win this game. I know you took the Colts, but Jacoby Brissett, 17 of 28, 146 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, 95.2 passer rating, and also added 25 rush yards, and he's starting to show out. I think there's yeah. some questions about him, of course, when Luck had that sudden retirement. But he is starting to take command of this offense. He's starting to develop chemistry with T.Y. Hilton, who, by the way, caught the game-winning four-yard touchdown pass from Brissett with 438 remaining in the fourth quarter. But talk about the Colts' defense as well. I don't think they get enough praise. They limited Tennessee to one of ten on third downs and just 119 passing yards. Also compiling four sacks for a second consecutive week. So that was just an impressive win for a Colts team that, yes, they're still very talented on both sides of the ball, but I actually gave the edge to Tennessee when I made the pick for that game. But, again, good performance from Brissett, and that's something they can build on as a young team. I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, Tennessee, uh, to be honest with you, I have the Titans as uh, my di most disappointing loss. Um, if you want to kind of move ahead as far as that it goes, um, just to touch on that team and, and that game, um, Marcus Mariota going 19 for 28, uh, 154 and a touchdown is not going to get it done, um, especially against a divisional opponent. You're at home. You're coming off a great victory uh, on the road in Cleveland. Um, you you guys are riding on a high horse. Um, you know, Delaney Walker was featured a lot in the first the first game and then not so much in this game, um, you know, and coming up short, having under 50 yards receiving, it's just not going to get it done for me. And that's the thing, you know, with, with picking, picking the Titans um, to win weekend and week out, you just never necessarily know what you're going to get, you know, with Marcus Mariota, uh, you know, almost throwing for 300 yards the first week and, and coming out, um, coming out and not even having 200 yards this week. And, um, and realistically, if you look at their team on third down, they've been atrocious, um, you know, this week going one for 10. And then the week before, even though they won 43, um, I'm thinking 43 to seven, if I'm not mistaken, um, even though they won that, they were still two for 11 on third down there. So um, offensively, man, they've been atrocious, even though the statistics, uh, you know, in week one kind of show differently. We'll see them on Thursday, just very up and down under Mike Vrabel. We'll see how that turns out on a short week. But the most disappointing loss for me was the Los Angeles Chargers, 13-10. They lost to the Detroit Lions, and this game was just ugly on both sides of the football. Offense, defense for L.A., and in the process, they lost another starting safety, Adrian Phillips, broken forearm. So the Chargers just cannot catch a break when it comes to the injury bug. But their offense was stagnant. Austin Eckler, he was good. He had some flashes. But then there's that one particular play where he tried to go up and over the line of scrimmage near the end zone. But Jelani Tavai knocked the ball loose. And that was a big turnover in the game. And now mm -hmm. I understand their kicker, Michael Bagley, he was out with an injury for the second consecutive week. So they were using their punter, Ty Long, to kick field goals, and he missed two of them, right? So you can kind of credit that loss to them not having a healthy kicker. But at the same time, Jarrell, that's on the team, man. I mean, if you're Anthony Lynn and your GM, Tom Telesco, how do you not go out and sign a kicker during the week? 
you know, and why are you relying on a punter on a Sunday to win you a game? So that's on the Chargers. I mean, you can make excuses for Ty Long, the punter, not being a primary kicker. But in the end, I was expecting to see more from this Chargers team. I think they were coming off a strong campaign last year. I'm very high on them again this year. But to go into Detroit, who, by the way, no, they're not pushovers either. But at the same time, the Chargers have the better team. And I was expecting them to escape the Motor City with a win. Man, um, I mean, we definitely had a lot of expectations of the Chargers this year, coming, especially coming off uh, their impressive uh, season last year. Um, but like I said before, man, the absence of Melvin Gordon is definitely, you know, taking hold of this team. Um, you know, he is the calm, you know, the cool collective guy. He gives Phillip Rivers the opportunity to be able to play action and throw the ball downfield um, for this offense. And so um, they're just been they're just, you know, being stagnant. You know, obviously Hunter Henry being out is, is um, hurting this team as well. Um, no Antonio Gates, that hurts the team as well. Um, you know, Keenan Allen is a great receiver, but they're missing another playmaker uh, down the field. And, you know, Phillip Rivers has to find a way to get it done. Um, this defense has to step up and they, um, you know, they held the, the Lions to, to 13 points. But at the end of the day, they have to be more efficient. So let's go ahead and segue to the offensive player of week number two. And I know you talked a little bit about him, but He's my pick just because he was very calm, cool, collected in pressure and got it done on the road for his team. Russell Wilson, he went 29 of 35, 300 yards, three touchdowns. And Seattle got off to a little bit of a slow start. And he was hurried early in the game, sacked four times in the first 22 minutes of play. But Seattle scored touchdowns on three consecutive drives in the second half of 40, 75, and 75 yards with Wilson completing 14 of 16 passes for 140 yards in the final two quarters. So this guy just continues to put on showcases week in and week out there in Seattle, working with a young receiving core. He's got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who's really coming into his own as the deep threat for Seattle. I know there are some other quarterbacks that went off, Jimmy Garoppolo and a couple of others, but Russell Wilson is definitely my player of week number two. How about yourself? Um, Russell Wilson was up there for me. Um, I had him wrote down as uh, one of my co-offensive players of the week. Um, I think for the NFC, it would have to be him as well as Julio Jones. What we were able to see um, Sunday night and, and uh, what those guys were able to do was very exciting to, to watch. Um, it was exciting to, to, to watch him uh, go out there and, and completely just take apart um, the Philadelphia uh, defense and then have a walk-off um, screen all the way to the end zone. Uh, was just uh, electrifying, man. So that will have to be my NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Um, on the AFC, it would have to be Lamar Jackson. What he continues to do uh, week in and week out these first couple weeks has been phenomenal. Um, going 24-27, 272, a couple touchdowns, um, 16, uh, 16 carries for 120 yards. Um, he continues to get it done both through the air and on the ground. And I just think that that was uh, the, 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 the winning factor and the, them – um, you know, beating a stingy Cardinals team that, that came in on the road and gave them a, a run for their money. 
Lamar Jackson certainly has silenced a lot of his critics and you know he's had fun with the media while at it a lot of people called him a running back and he's like not bad for a running back huh and so he's he's really playing and he's reaching new heights in his game very exciting player to watch that's for sure so let's go to the defensive side of the ball I have one player who was the clear-cut favorite this week and he played on Thursday night, so a lot of people probably forgot about his performance. But Shaq Barrett of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this is a guy who played behind Bradley Chubb and Von Miller in Denver for the last couple years behind Miller. And, of course, Chubb was just a rookie last year. But Barrett didn't really get a lot of reps, so he signs with Tampa Bay. He's playing outside linebacker in Todd Bowles' 3-4 defense. But, my gosh, Darrell, Shaq Barrett absolutely destroyed Daryl Williams, a left tackle for the Carolina Panthers. He compiled three sacks on Thursday and just made life miserable for Cam Newton. So Shaq Barrett is my defensive player of the week for week number two. Absolutely, man. Um, He is my NFC defensive player of the week. Um, And my AFC defensive player of the week is Miles Garrett. He also had three sacks. Um, and his win against the Jets um, and a, uh, a, a, a demolishing win um, against the Jets on Monday night. And so I just think that, uh, you know, both of those guys had phenomenal weeks this week, um, both each coming up with three sacks and um, the amount of pressure that they did and helping their team uh, get get uh, get to victory Monday. So I think that it was a very exciting weekend for both of them. And Miles Garrett, by the way, is the NFL sacks leader through two weeks with five sacks. So just throwing it out there, this is a guy who is looking to be the best defensive player this year over Aaron Donald. He said it himself, so he's certainly on the right track. So we're going to go ahead and give a little short preview of Thursday night's game. Titans-Jaguars, 8.20 p.m. Eastern time, can be watched on NFL Network. And I was doing some research on this game, and the Titans really have had the Jaguars number as they've posted wins in six of their eight meetings with Marcus Mariota under center, including their past two visits to Jacksonville. They've both ended up with victories for the Tennessee Titans. And Jaguars, we know that Minshew is is their guy with Nick Foles out with that left broken collarbone. He already underwent surgery and is on IR, won't be returning till week 11 or so. So looking at this matchup, AFC South, so another divisional game, Jarrell. Who are you looking at to take this matchup? Um, to be honest with you, I got the Jags winning. Um, I think that the Titans are kind of, they've been knocked in the mouth a lot, and I, I don't necessarily know what we're going to get out of Marcus Mariota this week. Um, I told you about their inefficiency on third down. Um, I, th- I think that the Jaguars defense are going to be able to, to have a lot of pressure. They're going to have a good game plan for them coming into Thursday. Uh, you'll see a lot of blintzes. You'll see a lot of man coverage. Um, we'll see if Ramsey can prove whether or not that he's worth the, the compensation as far as trade that the teams are trying to give uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If he plays well, then the price tag goes up. If he doesn't, then, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to try to uh, low cut the team as far as trade partners. Um, and I just like, I like, I like Gardner Minshew, man. I think that Minshew plays with a grit and uh, he plays with a, a swagger that's very, very catchy for the team. Um, and I just like what he was able to do against the Texans defense, which is a much better defense than the Titans. And I think that, uh, I think that he'll, I think he's going to have some success. So I think that they're going to win in a close one, 18 to 15. Okay, for me, 
I have this as a low-scoring game as well, and I have a couple of matchups that I'm looking at here, Jarrell. And, of course, one of the main storylines is, is Jalen Ramsey going to be active on Thursday night? Because they're currently holding trade talks with interested teams, and if a trade is close enough by Thursday evening, the Jaguars could elect to keep Ramsey inactive, right, to avoid any injury. They wouldn't want to risk his injury before they finalize a trade. So if he is active, though, I'm looking at him going toe-to-toe with Corey Davis, who's the Titans' number one wide receiver. He's gotten off to a very slow start this season, just three receptions for 38 yards in week two and was held catchless in week one. But he still is a top target of Marcus Mariota. He's 6'3", 210 pounds, physical wide receiver. So he and Jalen Ramsey are very similar in their build. So I'd look for Ramsey and Corey Davis to go after it a little bit. So that could be a fun matchup to watch on Thursday night. And then here's my second one. I think this is the big indicator as to why I'm going to actually roll with the Tennessee Titans in this game because I do not think the Jaguars will be able to fend off Tennessee's pass rush with Cam Wake, who's found the fountain of youth, and Harold Landry, bro, because look, Cam Robinson, their left tackle, he has not played this season as he deals with the hyperextended knee. And then on the right side, it's a rookie, Jaywan Taylor out of Florida. I just don't think they're going to be able to protect him. Minshew was sacked four times against Houston last week. He gets another daunting defensive front in Tennessee. Dean Pease has a reputation for being an aggressive play caller. The Titans will be able to disrupt Minshew in the pocket, and that's going to create some turnovers. So give me the Titans 23-17. Mm, 23-17. That's a lot higher than what I than what I thought, man. I think that um, I think it's going to be a, a, a close game, but I just don't see either offense um, coming in and being that explosive. I think that if uh, the t- if the Titans want to win, we have to see a lot of Derrick Henry, and uh, both uh, you know with the running game as well as screens out the backfield. I think that uh, he is what makes their team um, that much better. But if not, then I don't necessarily think that the Jag uh, the Jaguars will have a problem being able to move the ball down the field. All right, so you got the Jags, I got the Titans. Now let's go ahead and give a rundown of the other Week Three matchups. Bengals at Bills. I have the Bills 24-16. Now, remember, Jarrell, I actually chose Sean McDermott for Coach of the Year, and I've been all about Josh Allen, so they're off to a 2-0 start. I have them going a 3-0. The Bengals, they look discombobulated in Week 2. They got the brakes beaten off of them by San Francisco on their home turf. Now they got to go to Buffalo. That's a hostile environment. Allen's playing well. They're getting the run game going with Devin Singletary. And then that defense, they're just an elite bunch of guys with a good secondary. So I think it'll be closer than many people expect, but 24-16, I have Buffalo winning. Oh man, well, uh, I think I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you as far as the win, but I'm gonna disagree with you as far as the uh, the closeness in, in game. I think that the Buffalo Bills are starting to get things rolling. I think that Josh Allen is starting to come along uh, as a passer. Um, they've been able to push the ball down the field. Um, their uh, their efficiencies um, on uh, on defense have been great. Um, been able to to hold guys. Um, 10 for 27 as far as their uh, efficiencies on third down. They've been able to hold guys and 
and get off the field a lot to be able to help this offense. And um, I think that the Buffalo Bills are going to win 24 to 10. Um, I just don't think that the Bengals defense is very good. I, th- I know that De- uh, Andy Dalton's been a one-man band, um, but their running game has been atrocious, and uh, I don't think that they're going to be able to, to keep up with this uh, Buffalo Bills defense. Both rolling with the Bills there. Lions at Eagles, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Now the Eagles are absolutely banged up. They're likely going to be without Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, and Nelson Aguilar. He may not be able to go. So Carson Wentz is going to be throwing to a young group of receivers headlined by J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, the rookie. So with all those injuries and then Tim Jernigan is out for four to six weeks, I'm actually going to go with the Lions in this one. They're coming off a win at home, a little bit of momentum. Detroit's defense starting to play a little bit better. I like Matthew Stafford and his ability to stretch the field. Kenny Galladay is starting to come into his own as well as Marvin Jones. TJ Hawkinson, the rookie tight end. I actually like Detroit to go on the road to Philadelphia, come away with a narrow victory, 30-27 to over the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, okay. Uh, we both actually have the same winner. I think that this was going to be my upset of the week. I understand that uh, Philadelphia is banged up at the receiver position. Um, I think that the way that their scheme works offensively, yes, they need playmakers, but Doug Peterson, the way he runs his offense – um, just kind of needs guys to be in the right place at the right time in order for uh, Carson Wentz to be efficient. I think that they're going to try to run the ball a lot with Jordan Howard and try to be physical, but I think this is going to be um, – I think this Lions defense has played well other than one half out in Arizona, and I just think that they're continuing to improve. I have them winning 21-18, to 18, and um, and I have them coming out with a win in Philadelphia. Jets at Patriots. Now this is, I think, going to be another beatdown – Luke Falk is going to be under center for the Jets as their number two quarterback, Trevor Simeon, went down with a season-ending ankle injury on Monday night. Now they got to go to Gillette and take on a hot Patriots team. I think this is going to be a one-sided affair. 26-10, the Patriots will probably have their starters out by the time the fourth quarter rolls around. Too much talent for the Patriots. The Jets' defense They are searching for answers in their secondary. They may get C.J. Mosley back, maybe Quinn and Williams, so that may help them a little bit. But it's the Patriots, and it's a home game. The Jets, they're going to have a very hard time finding any success with Luke Folk under center. Um, Well, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be a 26-10. I think it's going to be a 30-7 victory. Um, I think that the quarterback situation is very tough to overcome for the Jets. Uh, they've been still trying to find themselves defensively. I think that they definitely miss um, having Todd Bowles back there calling plays. Um, Bell's going to get overloaded on offense. And um, as far as uh, defensively for the Pats, they've just been on fire. I think the addition of Jamie Collins coming back has been great for their team. And uh, watching him do his thing last week was great. And uh, Tom Brady and A.B. are, are going to just start to get going. And I think they're going to win 30-7. to seven. All right, next game here on the docket, Raiders at Vikings. This is uh, the Raiders team that's coming off a loss of the Chiefs. The Vikings are coming off a loss of the Packers. A lot of people criticizing Kirk Cousins. I have the Vikings winning 24-17. I think this is going to be a rather entertaining matchup. 
for both sides, but I give the Vikings the edge. They'll be at home, and I look for Kirk Cousins to have a bounce-back performance because it's been pretty ugly for him, but it's really Dalvin Cook and this rushing attack for Minnesota. That is going to be the difference here. I look for him to go off for another 100-plus yard day, so the Vikes over the Raiders 24-17. Man, I would agree with you. I think that the game is going to be a lot closer than what people predict. Um, I think the Raiders are going to come in swinging. They're going to come in uh, with a good game plan. But they just don't really have the personnel to follow through. I don't necessarily think that their defense is good. Um, The Vikings running game has been great over the first couple weeks. Um, Dalvin Cook's starting to find his seat legs, man. And it's very very great to see um, him return from injury and um, having great play. Um, My my old friend, man, Kirk Cousins, is going to have to start to improve his play. Um, over the first couple of weeks, he's been atrocious. Um, the, uh, the inefficiencies uh, and not being able to push the ball down the field uh, with the playmakers that he has at his disposal. And, um, you know, having the two turnovers last week really killed this team. And so I think that their defense is going to play great at home um, and they're going to come up with a victory 27 to 20. Falcons at Colts. Falcons riding high after that big victory on Sunday night over the Eagles. And the Colts are coming off a win as well. Impressive. Jacoby Brissett. This is going to be another good game to watch. I have Atlanta winning a tight one, 31-24 over the Colts. In the end, I think this Atlanta offense, Julio Jones, and then Calvin Ridley, who's coming into his own, Mohamed Sanu. That offense is going to give the Colts some issues, especially as this game moves forward. I like for the Colts offense to have their success as well. Jacoby Brissett, look for him to connect with Ebron and T.Y. Hilton. And they're going to try to establish that run game against Atlanta's front. But let me tell you what, Vic Beasley, Tack McKinley, and Grady Jarrett, that trio for Atlanta, they've gone off to a hot start. And then, of course, Deion Jones working at that linebacker position. So I think the Falcons are the better team by a little bit, and I think it'll show on the scoreboard by a touchdown, 31-24. Give me the Falcons. You're going to take the Falcons? Um, to me, to be honest with you personally, bro, I have this one as a very close game. Um, I have the Colts winning 20-17. to 17. I think that they're at home. I think that their running game is going to show up. Uh, Brissett, his, uh, his efficiency um, and his ability to limit the turnovers. Um, I like the Colts' defense and the, be- and the ability to be able to cause turnovers. I think Matt Ryan's a turnover machine lately uh, with the amount of turnovers that he's had over the first couple weeks. Um, their defense is starting to come along, but they're still suspect in my eye um, to be till they are able to put up a game where they can help hold an opponent under uh, 14 points. Um, you know, their third down efficiencies over the first uh, couple weeks have been have not been well. Um, five for 18. And uh, I just think that uh, the Falcons are going to uh, have a tough time playing consistent football. Um, week in and week out. And so I think that the Colts are a better fit team to be able to play consistent football. I like them at home, uh, 2017. Broncos at the Packers. Give me the Packers all day, every day. Aaron Rodgers in this offense. They've been clicking better than what they showed in week one against the Chicago Bears. Broncos, not much offense with Joe Flacco, though. He did not have too bad of a game against Chicago, but this is at Lambeau, and Green Bay's defense is starting to play at a very high level with Mike Pettin, and then, of course, Preston Smith, Darius Smith, those moves paint off. Darnell Savage, the young rookie safety, has been a ball hawk back there for Green Bay. 23-10, I have the Packers winning in a rather easy affair there at Lambeau. 
yes, sir. I too have the Packers winning. Um, I think that uh, what they've been able to do offensively, finding the running game last week was great. Um, their defense continuing to play well, continuing to hold uh, guys to a, a very low scoring game. Um, and I think that they've been able to have the turnovers needed in order uh, to boost this offense. Um, the Broncos lack of running game. I think Joe Flacco is doing well, but we need more. And uh, playmakers on offense have been limited. So I, I think the Packers are going to be able to win 28 to 17. Okay, Dolphins at Cowboys. This is another lopsided game here. Clearly the Dolphins have just gotten hammered the first couple of weeks. Now they travel to Dallas, take on the Cowboys who are riding high. I know the Cowboys, they were hit with a couple of injuries. Michael Gallup will be sidelined as well as their starting free safety, Xavier Woods. But that's not much of a difference when they're playing the Dolphins and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So give me the Dallas Cowboys, 31-14. Ezekiel Elliott will be fed plenty on the ground. I look for a big game from him, over 150 rushing against Miami's front, who, by the way, just traded Minka Fitzpatrick. So they're continuing the fire sale as they compile first-round picks. This one won't be close. Dallas over Miami, 31-14. Oh, yeah, I think that this is going to be a terrible game. Um I just think that the Dolphins have already checked out. They've already made their plans for this upcoming summer. I think that they know what's going on, um, you know, and and the lack of uh, leadership that they have in their locker room. I think that the Cowboys are going to win 31 to 10. Um, the Dolphins are realistically just terrible, and the Cowboys have all their pieces in place. And so I just think that they're going to continue rolling. Now for the biggest matchup at the 1 p.m. Eastern time slot, the Ravens at the Chiefs. This is going to be one to watch. These two teams, they met last year. They're going to meet yet again. Lamar Jackson, a much-improved passer this time around, of course, for Baltimore. They now have Earl Thomas back there with Tony Jefferson. And for the Chiefs, they have not missed a beat without Tyreek Hill as Miko Hardeman, Demarcus Robinson have stepped up. This is going to be a high-scoring game, I feel like, because Baltimore, through two weeks, they're number one in total offense, averaging 541 yards per game. Kansas City's third, averaging 478 yards per game. So this is uh, uh, an interesting one to pick, Jarrell. But I'm going to have to go with the visitors in this one, the Ravens. I think they go into Arrowhead. They find a way to not stop Patrick Mahomes. I think they'll limit him. They're going to find a way to pressure him off the edge with Matt Judon. And they're going to really go to the ground trying to control the time of possession with Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards being physical up front with the Kansas City defense that really hasn't been all that impressive to this point. I think the Ravens find a way to escape with a 29-26 victory over the Chiefs. Oh, man. Well, I have the Ravens uh, losing in a tight one. Um, I have the Chiefs winning 31-28. Uh, to 28. I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to be just too much for them um, late in the game. I think that he's starting to turn into that quarterback that you want to have the ball in his hands late in the game, um, having that clutch factor, that clutch gene. Um, he didn't really necessarily have a great first half last week, but then responded very well and uh, ended with a uh, substantially great statistical game. Um you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, who's, who's going to be the star this week for Kansas City? I mean, the first week was Sammy Watkins. This week 
was Demarcus, uh, Demarcus Robinson. And so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who Andy Reid's going to feature. And I just think that the Ravens have been great defensively. Uh, they've been great offensively, running the ball and passing the ball. But I just think that in the shootout, I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid over Lamar Jackson. That one will be a fun one to watch. We'll go now to the 4.05 p.m. Eastern time set of games. Giants at Bucks. This one is a little bit more relevant this week because Daniel Jones, the sixth overall pick, was named the starter over Eli Manning. They'll go to Tampa Bay. I'm interested to see what Daniel Jones can do, but give me the Bucks to win this game, and not just by a small margin, but by a blowout. I think Tampa Bay will win 34-17. This Buccaneers defense, they look really good and stout under Todd Bowles. That defensive front led by Shaq Barrett, we talked about his big performance. Levante David there at linebacker. And hopefully they can get Devin White, the rookie linebacker, healthy for this one as well. I really like what they're doing. Improved in the secondary. Vernon Hargrave showing some signs of life. And then offensively, Jameis Winston, who's been very inconsistent with turnovers, but he he showed some positive strides against Carolina. I look for him to build off that performance, and I think Daniel Jones is going to turn over the ball about two or three times against this Tampa Bay defense. So 34-17, give me the Bucks. Yeah, I have the Bucks as well. I have them winning 28-10. to 10. I think that this defense is very uh, hyped up this year. I think that they're going to be – um, flying around, Vernon Hargraves is, is really trying to prove that he's uh, one of the best corners in the league. He's been playing great over the first couple weeks, um, especially coming off a major injury last year. Um, this defensive line has been explosive. Uh, they've been uh, stuffing guys left and right. The only Achilles heel, obviously, is Jameis Winston, um, you know, having more interceptions than turnover, um, than touchdowns throughout the first couple weeks. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if the, the Giants can create a couple turnovers. I think that if they can get uh, one or two interceptions off them, that they're going to be in this game a lot closer than what people think. Um, you know, obviously we saw Daniel Jones on film throughout the preseason, and he looked spectacular. You know, Todd Bowles is going to come with an exotic game plan. Um, but if he can get a couple, you know, passes down the field, move the chains a little bit, and uh, be able to pick up a couple blitzes, man, I think that the Giants are going to have an opportunity um, to win this game, but I don't necessarily think that they're going to um, be in it that long. So I have them win. I have them losing 28 to 10. All right, next game here, Panthers at the Cardinals. Kyler Murray showed some really impressive skills last week as he went off. Cliff Kingsbury in that offense, they looked pretty good going up against Baltimore, although they lost the game. But it looks like Cam Newton may not be available to play in this one, and if that's the case, Kyle Allen will start for Carolina. I have Arizona winning their first game of the season 24-20 over the Panthers. Carolina, they just have not looked good. I'm not sure what it is. Ron Rivetta, I think he's on the hot seat. Everybody knows it. And I just like Arizona's chances. They'll be at home. The defense, they feed off that home crowd. I think their pass rush with Chandler Jones and Terrell Suggs they're going to get after whoever is under center for Carolina, whether it's Cam Newton or Kyle Allen. That's the difference for me. Give me the Cardinals 24-20. I also have the Cardinals winning. Um, I have them seven, six, winning 17-14. to 14. Um, I think that Murray has been uh, continuing to improve. Uh, he's been impressive over the first couple weeks, um, ever since that first half in his first game. Um, this defense is improving. They're continuing to play well. Um, they're at home. I think that that's going to play well into their hands. 
um, Cam not Cam Newton not being Cam, um, you know, that's definitely going to have a factor. Uh, his injuries, um, this defense has been up and down. And um, I think that the Cardinals are just going to key in on McCaffrey since he's been the, the only source of offense for this Panthers team. And, and so I think that the Cardinals are going to be uh, victorious 17 to 14. Steelers at 49ers in what is an intriguing matchup. Of course, we heard the news. Big Ben out for the rest of the year. Mason Rudolph steps in as his successor, and he looked solid last week when he came in against Seattle. Now they're going to take the road. They're going to play San Francisco. They've looked very dangerous offensively. Kyle Shanahan finally showing his potential as a play caller. He's got some healthy bodies out there. Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert had a big game out of the backfield. And their rookie, Debo Samuel, who's coming into his own receiver out of South Carolina. So... I'm interested to see how Mason Rudolph's going to handle this defensive front in the secondary led by Richard Sherman. I just feel like San Francisco, they have too much going for him right now. I have them knocking off Pittsburgh 30-21. to James Conner is going to be in for a heavy workload. They're going to look to lighten Mason Rudolph's load offensively with the run game. But San Francisco, led by DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead, I just like them to come away with the win, shut down Connor, and give uh, Kyle Shanahan's team a 3-0 start. Yeah, I think that the the 49ers have been impressive over the first couple weeks. I think that their defense is, is heavenly improved this year. Um, I think that Richard Sherman's been playing uh, phenomenal. I think that their, um, their ability to be able to create turnovers has been great. And um, I, I don't necessarily think that uh, it's going to be um, anything less than what we've been seeing over the first couple weeks. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo has a great opportunity to expose this fire zone defense that the Pittsburgh Steelers have been running since the beginning of football. And uh, I think that the Steelers are, are, I mean, they're just devastated now. You know, going on the West Coast, I think it's going to be tough for them. Um, and I've had the 49ers dominate the Steelers 24-3. Um, to uh, I have them... Uh, you have the Steelers going 0-3 and, and uh, essentially shutting down the season, and I'm going to be looking for um, guys to be moved around as far as job placement goes um, just because I know that a situation like this is going to be tough. But I, I think uh, essentially the Steelers are going to start off 0-3. Saints at Seahawks. This is another game that will feature a backup. Teddy Bridgewater will be under center for New Orleans. Give me the Hawks by double digits, 28-16. I think Russell Wilson will continue his hot streak going up against the New Orleans secondary that has struggled early in this season. I do like that they've been able to generate a pass rush with Cam Jordan and Trey Hendrickson coming off the edge, but we all know CenturyLink, that's a very difficult place to go in and grab a win. And without Drew Brees there, Jadavion Clowney, Maybe they get Ziggy Ansah back this week. It's going to be too much. Alvin Kamara will be limited. I think Seattle comes away with the victory. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that the game is going to be a lot closer than what people think. Um, I think I have the Seahawks winning twenty-four to ten. I mean, twenty-four to twenty-one. Um, I think that the Seahawks are going to come in. They're going to they're going to think that um, you know the minus of Drew Brees is. It's going to affect this team, but this team is is proven, man. I mean, they have a lot of playmakers around. Um, you know, obviously, you need to get Michael Thomas going. He only had 10 receptions for 89 yards last week, and uh, the Rams really limit him a lot. And so I think they're going to have to work in him a lot, work to get him the ball more, and Alvin Kamara is going to have to get the ball a lot more. But I look for Sean Payton to have an exotic game plan. You know, in situations like this, when you don't have the guy that's familiar with 
uh, the calls and everything up front. I think the, the scheme and the misdirection starts to come into play. So I look for them to have a lot of uh, exotic plays and Taysom Hill to come in and, uh, and beat that type of guy. Um, it's going to be the where the where's Waldo uh, kind of candidate for them. But I have the Seahawks winning 24 to 10. Um, I think that their defense at home is going to is going to be uh, very, very tough to beat. Um, Russell Wilson is on fire um, in his efficiencies and the running game is going to get going with Carson. So Texans at Chargers, another good game here. This is another headline matchup. Chargers coming off that loss. Texans barely escaping with the victory over the Jaguars at home. You know, we'll see how they can bounce back and see if they can finally show the type of talent they have on both sides of the ball. They'll go to L.A. They'll play at StubHub Stadium, which is a small stadium. L.A. has struggled getting those Chargers fans in there, so we'll see how much of a home crowd they'll get. But I have the Chargers bouncing back with the win, 27-20. I have not really liked what I've seen from the Texans, especially on defense. I think they're starting to miss Jadavion Clowney because J.J. Watt has been a ghost up to this point. He has not done anything because now offenses, they can just solely focus on doubling him up now that there's no Jadavion Clowney. So he's starting to feel the effects of that. I think the Chargers, they're a better team. They'll regroup despite losing Adrian Phillips. They'll get Eckler going. The Texans have struggled in pass defense right now, so look for Keenan Allen and Mike Williams to have a big game. 27-20, I have the Chargers over the Texans. Um, well, I personally have the Texans over the Chargers. I think that, you know, it's going to be a tough game. You know, obviously the the, uh, the inability to get to the passer with J.J. Watt has been tough this year. Um, I said it earlier um, a few pa- few podcasts ago when um, there was an opportunity for the team to, to keep Jadavian Clowney and have an opportunity for them to, uh, you know, consistently consent. Consider, uh, considerably have an, uh, a great d- dynamic duo when it comes to the uh, pass rushing game. But, you know, obviously with his absence, it's been tough for J.J. Watt and, and his ability to get home. And so I have the Texans winning. Um, I think Whitney Merciless has, has uh, improved his play a lot. And I have them winning 21-17 to 17 in the close one. All right. Now we go to the nightcaps. Rams at Browns. I have the Rams winning this one. I think Sean McVay Finally has his offense going after a slow start in week one. The Browns, yes, they beat the Jets, and it wasn't close, but the Jets were missing like seven or eight starters. I'm just not sold on the Browns yet. I know they'll be at home, but I like L.A. I'm not so sure the Browns' offensive line can block Aaron Donald at all. I think Donald is going to wreck things up against Cleveland. Baker Mayfield has struggled to read the field. Jared Goff and this offense... They'll get Gurley going, and the trio of Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Brandon Cooks, they will be the difference in this one. Give me the Rams 30-23 to on Sunday night. Um, but I have the Rams winning 31-28. Uh, to 28. Uh, I think that it's going to be a, a shootout. I think that the, both teams are going to come uh, ready to play offensively. Um, you know, obviously, Miles Garrett has a lot to prove. Uh, he wants to come out and play a lot better than, uh, than Aaron Donald. But I just don't necessarily think that collectively this defense has what it takes to stop the Rams and what they bring to the table. Uh, and, you know, obviously, OBJ had a great outing last week. Um, but what, I, what the Rams were able to do against Michael Thomas and um, arguably one of the best receivers in the NFL, if not the best receiver, 
and limiting him to 89 yards receiving last uh, week with no touchdowns. I think that uh, it's going to be very tough for OBJ. And so I, I look for the Rams to win in a shootout 31 to 28. All right, both riding with the Rams. Now the final game of week number three, Bears at Redskins. This is a Monday night football game. Man, I'm not so sure we're going to see much offense as the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky have struggled in the Redskins with Case Keenum. While they've had spurts of good offensive efficiency, they're still lacking, especially without Darius Geis. I have the Bears winning a field goal affair 20-17 to over the Redskins. I think Chicago's defense, they're going to come after Case Keenum. Khalil Mack, we all know the type of impact player he is. I think he will make life miserable for Keenum. He's going to create a couple of turnovers. I think Chicago takes home a three-point victory over the Redskins 2017. Um, I actually have the Bears figuring it out offensively this week. I think that they've struggled a lot. The first couple weeks, it's been atrocious to watch. I know their defense is probably um, shaking their heads, you know, telling, you know, um, saying we're keeping guys under 21 points, keeping guys under 18 points, and uh, we're having a tough time winning games. And I think that um, that they're going to figure out a way to get get it going offensively this week. The Redskins haven't been great uh, defensively. Josh Norman has been MIA, um, and it's and it's just been atrocious without having Trent Williams um, to lead this offensive line. And so. I think that the Bears' defense is going to come in, create some turnovers, as you said before. Um, this offense is going to get some things going. They're going to have to get uh, Cohen going and Allen Robinson. He's going to have to step up and be more than just um, a back shoulder type of guy. He's going to have to be a yards have to catch guy. And I think that the Bears are just going to be able to come in and dominate with them, dominate them on, on offense and defense. And I have them winning 24 to 13. All right, there you have it. That's the week three slate of games for you on today's podcast. I appreciate you again, Jarrell, for taking the time to join me. It's always a pleasure to chat some football, pick your brain a little bit on different matchups. Looking forward to a good weekend of NFL football and looking forward to getting back here next week to recap this week's games and, of course, preview as we always do, man. So thanks again. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. And um, I'm excited about uh, the next podcast and getting the chance to see week three in action. And hopefully we get some excitement this week. All right, bro. Well, again, enjoy your family. Have a blessed weekend, and we'll talk next week. All right, my man. Take care. All right. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.